And welcome to the NAS Boat Pulse podcast. It's your go-to source for all things state procurement. I'm your host, Kevin Miner, and I am thrilled to bring you another episode of in-depth discussion and expert insight on the latest trends and topics in public procurement. And boy, do we have a great episode for you to kick off this new year. First and foremost, I would like to introduce your new host, Hostess with the Mostess, my colleague and friend, Talise Gillum. Talise, how are you? I'm great, Kevin. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Much better now that you're here. We're really excited to have you on board. Talise, why don't you tell the Pulse Takers just a little bit about yourself? Hello, Pulse listeners. Great to be with you. My name's Talise Gillum, and I am a procurement content manager with NASPO. I've been with NASPO about a year, and I am on the research and innovation team. I come to NASPO with 19 years of public procurement experience at the city, county, state, federal, wow. and tribal levels. That's awesome. Pretty experienced. Yeah. Do you have one that you that you like more than another one, or what's your favorite? I would say that each level of public service gives you an experience that makes you a well-rounded professional. Mm. That's a good answer. That's a good way to look at that. And Talise, who are we talking with today? On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Valerie Bollinger, CPO for the state of Idaho and 2024 NASPO president. Yeah, and we're going to talk with Valerie about her presidential initiatives for 2024. She's got three of them. We're going to ask her initiatives on fostering innovation within public procurement, and we're going to discuss how Valerie sees promoting the career of public procurement throughout her year as president. We're also going to ask her about the impact she would like her presidential year to have on the wider world of public procurement. Well said, Talise. But before we do that, I'll have to ask you to please make sure that you subscribe to the NASPO Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to send us an email with your questions, thoughts, comments, concerns. Give us a rating. But most importantly... Sit back, relax, and join us as we take the pulse of public procurement. Before we get started, Valerie, would you like to tell us a little bit about it yourself? Sure. Um, So I've been in public procurement for about 12 years now. Um, And in a previous life, I was uh, an attorney, uh, got into procurement largely by accident, um, started in the university setting and then came to the central procurement office and worked my way from a buyer to state purchasing manager, which is our deputy CPO position. Uh, and then I've been the CPO of Idaho since August of 2020. Um, and I got involved in NASPO, uh, almost right away when I came to the central procurement office in 2014, Uh, I led a NASPO sourcing team and um, participated in the Western region and and conferences. And then when I became the purchasing manager, I uh, joined the Value Point Management Board and um, got increasingly involved and just absolutely loved NASPO. It was sort of the uh, happy, the happy place in, in my job on days when the job wasn't so fun. So um, kind of kept me going. And so I have been on the board of directors for a couple of years now, and I'm very excited to be serving as NASPO board president in 2024. Started at the bottom, now we're here, right? <laughs> That's it. 
Yeah, it's so already speak. lower than being an attorney, so I think that's exactly right. <laughs> hey, I didn't, you said that, not me. We're here today to talk to you about your presidential initiatives for 2024. Your first presidential initiative is to unify the procurement profession. What exactly does that mean, and why is this so important? I, you know, I've always seen, for, for a long time in Idaho, I've seen that there's, um, uh, there's not a lot of collaboration or crossover between state procurement, the counties, the cities, the school districts, uh, even the universities now are, are kind of separate. Um, but we all do largely the same thing. And most importantly, we all have the same fundamental beliefs about what we do and why it's important. Um, and so my very strong feeling is that our ability to elevate the profession uh, is tied to us unifying the profession. We're stronger together. And, you know, if we want people to understand what we do, to value what we do, to value the expertise that we bring to the table and to see us as strategic partners, that those goals are supported by us all working together to, to get that recognition and so I think it's really important that we, any differences that we may have are far less important than the similarities. And so I want to pull that strength and passion that we have for this profession and use it to elevate all of us together. Okay. So I understand how uniting procurement professionals, that is easy, right? Why that benefits the profession. Why is it important to include academics and universities and smaller public entities like counties or cities? I think academic, the academic um, partners are the, the universities have sort of a unique role in this. And, and it's, that's because it's twofold. Um, one is I don't know a single procurement office, whether it's central procurement or, you know, a city, county, or university procurement, for that matter, that doesn't struggle finding good talent. It's hard to find people who can come in and do the job and hopefully pick it up fairly quickly because we don't have the extra people to take time away to train them, right? It's, it's sort of a vicious cycle. So one role that I see in terms of partnering with the, the universities is to help build that talent pipeline that can come into our offices. So a lot of university students, even if they're in a, you know, a degree track that is clearly related to what we do, like supply chain, have no idea about public procurement. They don't even necessarily learn about a lot about procurement itself. And when they do, it's almost always focused on the private sector. So getting students excited about the possibility of coming to government, whether it's state government, local government, school districts, you know, wh whatever, whichever one of those positions um, in a procurement role, that to me is a huge opportunity to, to work with our, the academic partners. Um, the, the other side of it is, I think one of the things that we often encounter as procurement professionals is that we're not recognized as being experts and we're not necessarily recognized for the value that we can bring to our government at whatever level um, in terms of, right, it tends to be thought of, in the value tends to be thought of in terms of dollars and cents. 
Can we save the money? You know, can we save the state money? Can we make it easier for people to buy their, you know, pens and pencils and whatever else they need? We don't often, we're not often thought of in terms of how can we help to drive the strategic efforts of our of our leaders, right? Of the governor's office, of the legislature, of the city council, of the, you know, the super, superintendent of schools. Um, and so part of the opportunity, I think, with the academic partners, with our universities, is to the extent that we can get them, work with them to focus on public procurement in their research, in their academic publications, in the way that they teach Right. They largely frame the conversation around what is procurement and specifically public procurement. And so the more we can work with them to frame that conversation and and do the research and show the benefits and the opportunities, I think that goes a long way because I, I don't know about anybody else out there listening, but usually legislators don't listen to me when I tell them that I'm an expert and can help them. But they might listen to someone else who tells them that I'm an expert and can help them, right? So having um, that, that academic uh, literature out there and the research to show what we can do, I think goes a long way to helping change the narrative around what public procurement is even sort of fundamentally and what, what, how we can support our government at whatever level that is happening. So your second initiative is to foster innovation in public procurement. Uh, why do you think innovation is important to the field? You know, I think any time that we get into the rut of this is how we've always done things, um, we sort of feed the old narrative about what procurement is. Um, and so the more we can do to find new innovative solutions, uh, we become proactive instead of reactive. And that, I think, goes a long way, again, to sort of changing the mindset and ch- changing the narrative about the role that we can play uh, in, in, our, in our communities, right, in our state governments and our, our local governments. And I think that's true both for the procurement professionals out in the field as well as for NASPO, right? NASPO also has the opportunity to help um, foster that innovation in ways that are in some ways a little bit more safe, right? I think it, it, on the, in the government, in the public sector, innovation is really great when it works, and it's a huge mistake when it doesn't, right? And and that you're not going to know until you try. And so there's a little bit of a hesitation to try anything too new because what if it fails? And then, you know, we don't get a lot of second chances sometimes in, in government. So, you know, I think the opportunity to try things out uh, at with, you know, at NASPO is, is really awesome because there's not that same sometimes whiplash reaction that we have in government. So I think that's that's really important. Um, and I think it pushes us to look outside of just ourselves, right? And this kind of goes back to the idea of unification in some ways as well, that if we're only ever looking to our peers in state government to come up with ideas, we may be missing out on things that are truly outside of that box of state government. And that could be just looking to local government. It could be looking to the universities. It could be looking to a totally different you know, uh, sort of 
functional area in government or in private sector to get those ideas and, and think about new ways of, of doing things. Um, so that, that really resonates for me. I, I know when I was, uh, when I was running procurements, um, in my kind of early years with, with this central procurement office, the thing that frustrated me the most was when I would get a, a draft solicitation from an agency and I would look back at the last time we ran that procurement five years ago and literally the only thing that changed was the date. And I would say, and maybe that's fine because maybe really nothing's changed, but I never felt like that had been explored. It was just, okay, we're buying the same thing, so slap a new date on it and ship it out the door instead of looking at it and saying, well, ha has it worked? Is there opportunity here to do it better? Could we save more money? Could we save more time? Um, and so I think that that curiosity about what's possible is something that is that I think about a lot. And, and I think sometimes it takes practice for us to do that. And that's part of the reason I wanted to make it one of my initiatives is to, to really keep that idea in the forefront. I think People are probably tired of the word innovation, um, but for me, that's it's keeping it in the forefront that we're we're never getting too comfortable with how we're how we're doing things or how we're performing. We're always pushing to find new and better ways and asking those questions and at least saying, "Is there a better way?" And if the answer is no, okay, fine, but let's at least ask the question. So there are a lot of new technologies available. Uh, what do you think? the future will be like for public procurement? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I wish I knew the answer because I hate surprises. But, um, you know, I think the technology is going to push us in the direction that I hope we would go anyway, which is that we start to focus our time as procurement professionals on the, the more challenging projects, the more challenging questions that present themselves and away from the more transactional work. So I think, you know, what I see with the technology is that it will sort of easily slip into that transactional space buying stuff, right? So I don't know about the rest of the, the NASPO membership or anyone else who might be listening, but... Um, when I, you know, my, my mother still doesn't know what I actually do for a living. And if mm -hmm. someone asked her, I'm pretty sure she would say that I buy stuff. I don't buy yeah. anything. I buy a lot of shoes, but not with state money, mm -hmm. right? I don't, but as part of my job, I don't do that kind of transactional work, but some of my staff do, right? There are still a lot of, of procurement folks in, in the state government and in local government who do buy stuff. Right? They order off of, of statewide contracts. They um, place orders for small dollar um, commodities, that sort of thing. I think that's where some of the technologies that are out there today and that are coming can easily step in and do that kind of work, which frees up time for us to do the work where I think technology is not as suited, which is the more complex strategic efforts. Right, figuring out how to um, use leverage our buying power to influence supply chains in certain ways—that isn't 
something that technology is going to, I think, come in and do. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that we as procurement professionals can potentially do, right, if we have the authority to, to do those sorts of things. Um, doing the really complex procurements, uh, thinking about more of the problem-solving, innovative type of things, that's where I would love for us to spend, you know, I'd love for us to spend 100% of our time there, but certainly move toward the majority of our time is in those strategic areas. And I think technology will allow us to do that. I think that's scary to some people, especially if their comfort zone is doing that transactional work. But it's also an opportunity to expand their skills and challenge themselves and with support from from leadership and from from NASPO and other organizations that support you know professional development in procurement, we can elevate the whole uh, sort of skill set and function of procurement and let the technology do the easy stuff. I think it goes back to that what we were talking about earlier, elevating the profession beyond the idea that it is a clerical type of job. It is a job that you sit in an office and do and not a strategic partner to the legislature, to the governor, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Requires certifications and training. So with all these things that you've talked about, your third initiative kind of encapsulates all of these um, initiatives that you have are inner they they interlock and they work in tandem with one another as well as I think probably they work individually and with each other which I think is really unique and worth pointing out your third initiative is to promote careers in public procurement which has kind of been the running theme that we have discussed throughout this conversation what do you tell people who ask about working in procurement So I'm going to answer that question with a story because that's the way my brain works. We love stories here on the Pulse. Um, So I was uh, on my way home from the incoming leaders meeting and law institute in November of 2023. And the last leg of my flight was from Salt Lake City to Boise. And it was very late. It was not a very full flight. Um, And I happened to be sitting next to um, a college student who was flying home for the holidays. And we got chatting a little bit. And I don't usually like to talk talk to people on planes. I'm like, Mm -hmm. headphones in, don't talk to me. Like, whatever. Um, But for some reason, I don't know, I was in a chatty mood and we we struck up a conversation. And he was... um, had, I don't even remember what his major was, but he was thinking about changing it because he wanted to, you know, he wasn't really sure what he wanted to do, but he felt like business was a better sort of career path. And so we were chatting and I was like, well, let me tell you about an awesome career opportunity. Let me tell you about public procurement. And I did like, no joke. I started just pitching public procurement as a career to this college sophomore um, on an airplane. And you know, it was, I, I think for me, what I tell people is first and foremost, public service is, I think, why so many of us get into and stay in this profession, right? We really, truly believe in what we do and how it serves the public. It It is 
meaningful to us in that way. And I think that um, is, I think that's attractive to a lot of um, especially younger folks. Um, I talk about the variety. So I think a lot of people don't want to go to work and just do the same thing day after day. Right. They don't they don't want to just sort of be bored at work. I'm like, I haven't had a boring day at work in, you know, 12 years that I've been in the profession. Sometimes I wish I'd have a boring day at work. Yesterday, I would have taken a boring day because it was anything but. Right. But it's interesting. It's different. You know, it's different problems that we're trying to solve. It's it's working with different people, buying different things that I think is one of the things I love the most about um, about this profession. And most people who are in the profession are really passionate about it. So you end up working Mm -hmm. with other people who are really, you know, you build relationships with people. I think that's one of the things that that is so awesome about NASPO is it brings together all of us procurement nerds. And and we can talk to each other about the the challenges and the fun parts. And we all speak the same language and we get excited about the same ridiculous things. And that is awesome. It makes me feel like I'm not on an island and, and I love that. So those are the kinds of things that I talk to people about when I, when I, um, talk to them about this profession and, and I have had the great fortune to guest lecture at our local state university, Boise state, uh, a couple of times. And apparently my passion for the profession has sort of uh, been apparent because I have recruited people <laughs> who have in their application said, <laughs> oh. you know, Valerie came and talked to our class and sold me on on public procurement. And I, one of my contract administrators was in one of the classes because he was hey. trying to figure out what am I going to do when I graduate? And now he works That's for me and cool. it's awesome. That's cool. You, you uh, passionate? No, never apparent. <laughs> You know what you were you were you were telling that story, and I just I see you in um, when you you know you're retired you're in, you're in the south of Spain and you're in the villa sipping tea. You pick up the newspaper because you get the you get the Boise Gazette out in Spain, right? Um, and and there on the front page, the young man who sat next to you on the plane. Telling the same story, and now he's the CPO. That's so. I mean, I love that thought. It, with a few corrections, I'm painting the picture it, for you. It would be it would be the United Kingdom. It would be the UK. Let's let's okay, be real. fair, but, fair, but, um, fair. Um, no, I mean, I think that's what's really exciting is to see the you know I sort of joke about the fact that uh, it's a little bit scary to me now when my a member of my team mentions like what year they were born. And then I, I'm sad for a little while, but um, you know, it's really exciting to see these, these folks, new folks come into the profession and get really passionate and get really excited about it and think about where are they going to take us in, you know, the next however many decades. Um, and it is, it is really exciting. I mean, I think there is that shared passion and I, you have to be right. This job is hard. And there are days when it is soul crushing, but then there are so many days that are so amazing and incredible. Mm -hmm. And there's so many incredible people that are in this profession across the country and across the world. That's what keeps me going is um, those connections 
and the the strength of our combined passion and uh, resolve, that's what keeps me going through the days that are not so fun. Yeah. Yeah. That takes solace in knowing that uh, the new folks coming into the profession are going to have hard days, but they're not going to have hard days like the fax is broken hard days. <laughs> they're not going to have hard days uh, like the copiers down mm-hmm. hard days mm-hmm. or the uh, dot matrix printers not working hard days. Hard days are OK when it's not old time machinery or having to write purchase orders by hand. Yeah, absolutely. But with everything that we've talked about today, uh, what impact do you want your presidential year to have on the wider world of public procurement? And that's like sort of a scary and exciting question um, because I I hope genuinely that it has a, a really big impact. I you know, I want every procurement professional out there to be really proud of what they do, really passionate about what they do, and um, for all of us to work together to elevate all of us, right? Elevate all of us, make public procurement a career of choice, um, make public procurement a, a strategic partner that, um, you know, leadership in whatever area of government feels like they they absolutely is you know are vital to meeting their goals and objectives um, and I want us to do a better job of telling our story I think we're we're sort of trained from an from an early age uh, early age and experience years to right nobody wants to be in the paper I was quoted in the paper this week and I was horrified by the fact that I was quoted in the paper but where I do want us to be quoted is in telling our own story about what we bring to the table and what we can bring and our vision for how we can support and move forward the really important initiatives of our uh, state and local governments and our and our um, you know academic institutions and that sort of thing so that is uh, I guess my hope is that at the end of 2024, we have an even more unified profession that is actively working to together to elevate and to tell our own story and the important work that we do. Well, Valerie, thank you so much for your time today. And we look forward to hearing from you more throughout this year. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Elise.